You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. My name is Stephen, and I'm here with two special guests because neither of you have been on the podcast yet. Caroline Gibbons, how are you today? I'm great, Stephen. How are you? I am so glad you're here and to have the one of two Carolines that are closest Mm. to me in life Mm -hmm. now both represented on the podcast. Mm. Caroline is the literacy coordinator at our mentoring program, and we are sitting today in your office, practically, I would say, Mm -hmm. where all of our kids do their what? their reading intervention we're sitting in the literacy lab the literacy lab where we do reading intervention that sounds really intense Mm. i mean it is so like usually with our dads we do like an alcoholic intervention (laughs) but with our (laughs) elementary school kids i mean i don't know that i would go that far (laughs) but you know okay it's 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 up there okay (laughs) that's awesome um (laughs) since i've introduced you now i've I want to ask you to introduce our guest. Yes. Today we have with us Trey Kroom. Welcome, Trey. How's it going? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. We're happy you can be here. Trey worked with Foreigner for several years as a grade coach and then a team lead. And he is enrolled in seminary at DTS. He's very passionate about sports ministry. So he's going to spend some time sharing with us today his experience and his views on mentoring. Shout out to Chuck. Yeah. Shout Woo-hoo. out to Tony Evans. Tony Evans. Tony Evans. What up, Tony Evans? So, so yes. many. So many so greats. Many. They're the coolest. Well, Trey, we want to ask you a few questions today just to unpack your experience, not only in your background of growing up, uh, but also your experience mentoring, your experience being a part of our program. And mm-hmm. so we want to just kind of take from you. That sounds really mean. Uh, we're going to learn <laughs> from you. Let's, let's go for that. And uh, yeah, just help all of our mentors listening to this podcast grow. And so Trey, could you just start and share a little bit about your story, and then get into how you came to Dallas as well. So Yeah, I can. Um, so I grew up in a single-parent home. My mom and dad divorced when I was three, and so I have an older brother who we have the same mom but different dad. And so what that looked like on holidays, what that looked like going different places is on holidays we would go to Atlanta, Georgia to spend it with my dad, and I'll see my dad maybe two or three times a month. He stayed maybe 30 minutes away from Jonesboro, Arkansas. So this is all in Jonesboro. Uh, my brother's dad lived in Atlanta, Georgia. He played for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, my brother was great in sports, so I wanted to be great at sports. So I wanted to follow in the footsteps of every male that I've ever even gotten close to at the time. So growing up, for me, was in a single-parent home. See, my mom, have she's been married a few times, several times, so men were always in and out and I always had that gravitation to him because I always wanted to learn from him and then I mean I'm still coming from that absent father home uh, and so if there was an image that I could give during that time I would say uh, in Lion King the movie you know you got to go mm-hmm. see Lion King mm-hmm. like the the, the, the real one, one but 
I've heard things. It's good it's, stuff. It's good stuff. They do cut out Beyonce the funny and it. singing, like, some of the things, but the message still stays the same. But in the cartoon, you have, at one point, Simba. Which is, don't ever trust someone named Scar. Yeah, yeah like, never, true. never. So and true. especially if they have a Scar. You know what I mean? I, like, yeah, like hey, family family be the, be the main ones that, that do that. But anyway, that's <laughs> another topic. Uh, so... In the movie, you have Simba. He's learning his growl. He's, he wants to be like his father, Mufasa, so he's growling, growling, and then eventually he growls loud enough, and there's a stampede that happens, and Scar sends him and everything like that. During my time growing up, it was just like that. I didn't mm. know who I was. I didn't know my voice. The human body has three responses. You have fight, flight, and then one that's often unaware of is that freeze. Um, and so for me... Mm. Growing up, five, six years old, I was in that freeze stage. I've seen a lot of abuse in the home, physically, sexually. Uh, there was a lot of things that I went through, and I never could say anything. I always felt like I was too small or I didn't matter. And so literally while the abuse is going on, I would go into the hallway and just listen and just freeze, just wow. stand there. And so after years and years of suppressing that, finally I feel like I found a little bit of voice, but it wasn't or a little bit of the growl, but it wasn't the right growl. My growl turned into anger. Um, so it wasn't until I was coming home one day with my older brother to see my stepdad on top of my mom, smashing her telephone and literally fist fighting in the street. Well, this little boy and myself as a seventh grader didn't know what to do. So I see my brother go charge and I run up to it still frozen. And it wasn't until a split moment that I was like, okay, everything that I felt for so long is going to come out and it came out in anger so literally all of my emotions built in all those times I felt like I wasn't good enough that I'm still waiting on my dad on the steps or he lied and said he was going to come and he wasn't all that kind of mm -hmm. left and I pushed it all into anger wow. so after that um was in anger management which goes into my mentor that uh he was there for me he he loved me. He was a part of the church. He was actually the youth pastor at the time, but now he's a senior pastor at Temple Baptist Church. So literally from that fight to me either going to a behavior counseling center or doing anger management, he took me in. And every week from seventh grade till my senior year, we met uh, on Wednesdays right before church. He just spoke with me, shared the word with me, and discipled me. Anger management as a seventh grader? You're walking yeah. through counseling of how to deal with, with your anger. Was that through your school or some other resource? That was directly through the kindness of the heart of, of, of Andy Neal. So he was the pastor at the time. I knew he was busy, and he didn't have to. He, he actually just offered, hey, let me treat you, you know, as, as through anger management. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had a little bit of this, but I want to give you not just anger management, but we need to work on your identity mm -hmm. of who you are in Christ, and then we also need to work on, you know, what does that mean and how do you respond to that? So I grew up in the church, um, and church was a place for me at the time that it provided a way for me not to be in the streets all day. Uh, I grew up on the north side of town, then I moved to the south side just to escape the mentality and the poverty mentality because my mom wasn't going to raise us that way. And so church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday D now lock-ins. Anytime there was a church function, mom places in and was like, hey, you're not going to be doing this. You're going to be wow. in church. So Awanas went all the way, got the Timothy Award, <laughs> felt like the NBA mom. title. Um, and 
that's probably one of my proudest moments. And you just go through the books and say the verses. But it didn't really click to me. I did it as a competition. Uh, it didn't really click until I read that John 3.16. And it kind of, the Holy Spirit came and spoke. You know, it wasn't just that he died for everyone. It was like, oh, he died for you, Trey. Um, and that made the, the most difference in my life because I've never had any type of male sacrifice in that type of way for me. So... For you, I love how you said fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah, I think we usually don't consider how paralyzing it can be for a child to experience something traumatic. The fruit of that is like you're sitting there trying to decide how do I process and react and respond. Right. And that produced this maybe an over response, mm-hmm. a, a sensitivity that just kind of you lash out. Right. And so can, can you talk, um, yeah, even, even more about that experience of, of who are you processing your emotions with? And like at, at that time, even before this pastor starts in, investing in your life, like who were the people that were there for you in that season? So I feel like my main, person who was my right hand man my my everything at the time and in times not just a brother but acted as a father figure was my older brother Brandon he was that one that if he was doing it I wanted to do it if he said this I was gonna say it and then occasionally you know brothers fight you know we have our we have our differences and you know we hit each other there was one time I locked my brother uh in the back of a car uh, in the trunk. Um, and then we did the same. He did the same thing to me. It was great uh, at the time. Uh, it was great. Yeah, it was great. But Sibling love. But I think, yeah, sibling love. Um, Just don't but, do that in Texas. Yeah, we can't, we can't do no. that. Because they don't even allow, you know, dogs to be in the car mm-hmm. like that. Or any animal. So, so yeah, it's different now. Um, this is back then. Happens in Lakewood. You'll be on the Lakewood Facebook page. Yeah, I'm not trying to done. be on the Lakewood Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> or Lake Highlands or any page unless you go on my Facebook page but anyway my brother Brandon Shelley was that role model for me he was my everything the only reason why I learned how to throw a football was because of Brandon the only reason why I knew how to ride a bike Brandon was right by my side Mm. doing that as well as my mom don't give her don't give me I don't want to dismiss any credit to her because she's my everything but Brandon was that person he was that male figure that I looked up to when Lights were off in the house when my mom's working two or three jobs and ends just weren't meeting or we didn't have food to eat or it was some unfortunate situations. I knew that I wasn't alone. You know, I felt a lot of different things. I felt angry. I felt the blame as a kid. Uh, I felt a lot of different things. But one thing that I couldn't say is I felt alone because Brandon was there always with me um, and as well as Pastor Andy Neal. And there were a few other key Males, but like I said, it was kind of just learn from one, go on to the next, learn from another, go on to the next, learn what not to do, go on to the next. And then my own father, um, he wasn't there the way that I think he should have been, and he wasn't there just period. There was one point I lived right across the street from him when I was in about seventh, eighth grade. I only saw him maybe three times that year. Um, so I would always see his, his truck across the street, but he would never come over and say anything. Or it would be, we're going fishing, we're going to the house and he would never come. So I've always felt like I've had maybe a backpack of clothes, backpack of tools, something always ready to go. 
However, I wasn't met that halfway. And so my brother was that one. So, okay, he didn't come. All right, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a sleepover in the living room. We're going to put the pillows up. We're going to build these little caves and stuff like that. And this is what, yeah, force everything. And so he's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to turn on Rocket Power. We're going to turn on all (laughs) these other different TV shows. And that's how we're going to get through it. And so it was really cool just for him to, to, to be there and to take on so much responsibility yeah. while he's only in, at the time, eighth grade, maybe sixth grade. He took mm-hmm. on a whole legacy, you know, of me and continued out. So wow. my brother for sure. So Trey, let's go back to your relationship with your mom. Um, I know that y'all are still really close. She's very important in your life. So talk a little bit about how those male relationships affected that relationship that you have with her um, and just kind of how y'all connected, what she was able to be there for, what she wasn't. Just lean into that a little bit. Yeah, so I can remember distinctly in elementary school, her and I were riding. She's picking me up from a practice or after school program, something like that. I remember just giving her a list of things and ask her, do you love me more than this? You know, do you love me more than Brandon? I think maybe every sibling has maybe think that they're the favorite. I'm the baby. And so I want to say that (laughs) I'm the favorite, Uh, but I always asked her just different questions. Hey, do you love me more than this person? Do you love me more than this job? Do you love me? If you had to choose, who would you be? Who would you choose? You know? And I think that summed up a lot of what I'm feeling currently. I think when I was a kid, I needed my mom's care. I needed her mm-hmm. tender love because it's not that it was unique and it was that, but it was also I wasn't getting it at all. And so I saw my mom work hard. She was the warrior working two or three jobs and just helping people. At one point, I remember her giving our food away to give to other people. I'm like, Ma, like, <laughs> we live here. <laughs> like, why would you why would you wanna wanna do that? But she had that servant heart and so when yeah. guys would come in and out uh that really made me gravitate toward her even more just because i'm like okay i hear you crying because remember i'm still mm-hmm. in this freeze mode i hear you crying i hear you're screaming you're not telling anybody about it because you're too strong you know you have that mm-hmm. stigmatism of, of a strong woman who wants to keep every emotion inside so we never actually had that conversation of you know i know you went through this and i know i heard you mm-hmm. say this and i know you felt this way and I've seen some things on your body. Like I know that. And so I just want to hug you. You know, I want to love you and I want to do all those different things, even though she never really forced it. And so my relationship with her from then till maybe about grad school was just that it was that I'm like, not to say that I feel bad for you, but I wish it wasn't the case. Like, why is life so hard? You know, why do I, why do you have to work this way when other people don't work this way. And then, you know, you have that kid tendency of, well, I want this train watch. This uh, It was a train watch that I wanted from Big Lots at the time. It was, it may have been 1999. And I was like, Mom, I really want that watch. And she was like, you know, we can't get it. And I was like, okay, Mom, I really want, this is when Shaq shoes came out at Kmart or Walmart. <laughs> I was like, I really want the Shaqs. Like, can I get the Shaqs? And she was like, you know, really can't. I was like, but Mom, like, I got to have these Shaqs. They light up. He's dunking on the rim, on the tongue, you know. <laughs> And and what she did was she went all out, worked harder, and bought mm. my brother and I both of them. And we wow. thought we were the coolest thing. And so looking back now, I mean, like, man, I wish I really didn't ask 
for those shacks because they're just shoes. I can't even wear them now. But then mom <laughs> also would go into the point of like, no, like, I'm going to show you that if you work hard enough, mm. you can get what you want. Like, you can you can go buy those things. And so all my life I've seen her do just that. And then, you know, when the lights were off and we didn't have food to eat, mom was just like, okay, we're going to pray and we're going to read her Bible. I was like, mom, like, that's literally not getting these lights on. And you know what I mean? And she was like, no, but this is what we're going to do. And so she modeled that for us so that we can learn that at home. Then we go right across the street to the all-white church that we were going to that literally, quote-unquote, saved us from all the other violence that were going on. It would it would translate from home. Okay, mom said this at home, so I know they're probably saying the same stuff at church. And sure enough, it was that it was that mindset. Mm-hmm. So for sure. But um, to answer your question, I think while males were going in and out of the house, it gravitated me toward her. And then now when I look back and I'm older, I'm seeing things. I'm seeing what a lot of women are putting up with. I'm seeing a lot of uh, abuse and all those things. I was like, Ma, like, I wish we wouldn't have had to go through these things. And at times I want to turn to anger um, because I'm like, okay, now that I'm old enough, now that I found my roar, quote, unquote, uh, we can do something about that. But, Ma, well, how come you didn't, you know? And so I think my stage now is is – maintaining that relationship with her through my childlike eyes um, Mm -hmm. and then just growing on it. Because I think when I was a kid, um, I focused so much on not having a father. Like, I didn't have him, didn't have any real relationship. So I don't know what it is like to grow or to decline or to be distant. Like, he just wasn't there. Um, But for my mom, she was there. And so just recently, you know, going back and processing, okay, mom, like, we went through this, but my relationship with you wasn't always the strongest. Like I did feel like you chose this person over me. I did feel like sometimes it was selfish. You know, I did feel like those things. So just recently, maybe within the last two or three years, we've been talking about and having those conversations for sure. Talk a little bit about the relationship between your mom and your mentors in your life. Was that like a partnership? Did Was your mom familiar with those men that influenced you? Like, um, Give us an idea of how that worked. I think, yeah, she was she was very familiar. Mom was, she didn't know how to raise two boys, uh, but she did it in a way that I think if I look back, she did the best that she could. I mean, growing up and not knowing how these boys are going to turn out, she did it the model way. And so she was really, really straight. I used to joke all the time. Actually, at the time, I wasn't joking. I was like, my mom is the meanest. Like, we can't <laughs> go outside past 7 like, we can't do this. I got to do my homework. Like, I got to read this amount of books. I got to listen to these tapes. And I was like, mom is literally, like, the meanest. Like, can't even say yeah or yes. It was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And so <laughs> I was like, mom, yeah, yeah, mom. I was like, mom, you're out of control. Um, but when it wasn't, when I got too big for whoopings, because, I mean, just to be honest, I may have got a whooping every day from from kindergarten, probably from out the womb, maybe until fourth or fifth grade like you, I was just did you get one when you cut off a girl's ponytail in school look I've had so many whoopings <laughs> I, I don't even I don't even remember but yeah I, I did Caroline that Caroline knows a lot of stories I'm glad that you're the one interviewing right. Trey right now right I didn't know if I want the people to know that but nah uh, I did <laughs> I did do that um there was one point in time I was really into science I wanted to create I wanted to see reactions which now I think about it plays into everything that I oh. that I that I go through so I put a calculator in the microwave just to see 
what would happen, oh you know? I turn around eating my frosted flakes as if nothing happened. Mom was like, something's burning, something's burning. So she gets it, throws it out. She's like, what are you thinking? Uh, but yeah, I got so many whoopings, I couldn't even, I couldn't even count. But she was, she was that way because literally all my other friends or everybody else, like now that I look back, like they've been in prison. Like they've been in jail. They've had from job to job. They they didn't go to college. They they really didn't amount to anything. And most importantly, they just stayed content, still living with their mothers, you know, still doing the same thing. So mom provided a way for us to get out and everything. So she was close with the men that mentored me. She was close with Pastor Andy Neal. He was there when we joined the church. Um, and that was literally like, okay, like I don't know how to communicate the way a male does here you go. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. what you're going to say. I don't know what you're going to do, but here you go. There was one time when I was young and I'm saying real young. Cause now I got rhythm. I didn't have rhythm. <laughs> like I couldn't even, I couldn't even clap my hands on two and four or one and three. Like I couldn't <laughs> even do it. So literally she called one of her girlfriends up and said, Hey, Trey got a talent show. He wants to be little bow. Wow. We're going to glue cornrows in his head, but he can't <laughs> dance and he doesn't know. He Please didn't have any type of, of I can't do that. But I can I can give you a picture <laughs> though. Um like he he wants to do this, but he literally can't. Like he he he's uncoordinated. The boy is just uncoordinated. Uh she was so the girlfriend, one of my mom's girlfriends, was like, okay, I'm gonna send Tony over. And Tony came and it took maybe three hours for me to sing Little Bow Wow. And this is when like long jerseys and chains and yes. and rock rollers on uh on on that and beware the dog and so literally it <laughs> took a long time for me to get the rhythm and once i got that i was set still set for life so if you ever have a an engagement where you want to dance or anything <laughs> like that we can we can get it i'll put all no this did. stuff in the show no notes did. so people know for sure yeah yeah but so yeah mom she 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 took that humble route of saying hey i don't know everything Mm. Andy, will you do this? Tony, will you do this? Coach Malugin, would you train him up? Uh, another Tommy, another great fam that got me into physical fitness. Uh, when I was in third grade, I needed a release, and my brother was in seventh grade. He was starting football. So literally, Brandon was going to work out. I was like, oh, Trey's going with you. And my brother didn't always like that, so I got to watch his practices, work out with him. But it was that, okay, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and he needs somebody, and he needs these men, here you go. And so it was literally all trust. Look, I'll take them to you. Can you please drop them off? Can you feed them? These men just took my brother and I in and just cared for us in a way that we had never experienced consistently. Um, mm-hmm. So it was yeah. great. mentioned mom taking you to the white church mm-hmm. down the street i feel like most white people don't call their churches white churches <laughs> but i think it's just because we're not we don't recognize that our church mm-hmm. is full of white people we're just like oh it's just full of people yeah Got and so can you can you share more about i guess that perspective kind of mm-hmm. being a person of color in white spaces mm. how that I mean, affects, affects you. And I, I think particularly even in mentoring, our mentors aren't going to always mm-hmm. have the same background as our kids. Mm-hmm. And so I think even just understanding how you see the world 
in that space, I think it would be important for our mentors to to hear. Yeah. So so there's a saying when you when you grow up in I guess when you're a kid, you know, it's sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. So I remember the first time I was in front of my house with my older brother and a kid rode his bike uh, uh, through through our through our sidewalk, through the house. And he called my brother the, the first time I ever heard the N-word. He called and my brother, you know, he really didn't know what to say. I'm still in my freeze mode. So my brother picked up this rock and threw it at him, busted his head. It was a huge ordeal. Uh, but I remember thinking, okay, like... That's a word that I don't even know, but the way that it made my brother react and the way that I just saw something in me kind of react to it, I don't know why that is. And even though I had those feelings at a young age, mom was like, okay, but right across the street are people who love Jesus. Right across the street are people who can can provide a safe, fun environment through Awanas. And so my family was literally the first black family ever to join Temple Baptist Church. We're in the record books. Uh, no other black wow. family has ever uh, came through before us. And so we're, wow. we're, our picture is in there as a kid, and they loved us unconditionally. They showed us the way. The, the pastor, he was very, very familiar with mom, and so we were over their house frequently, meals. Uh, as I grew up, they were going to all of my football games, always asking me to speak, always doing specific things went on wow. all of my mission trips of being overseas or or different states first time I came to Texas it was it was with the church and so they really just showed that Christ like okay you're different you look different um but that's not going to stop us from loving you and there'll be a time where you may need different love at different time but for right now as a kid you're gonna get a want us like you're gonna you're gonna be hugged you're gonna be Love. I remember Miss May and Miss Kay, like they 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 <laughs> took me in and they went in and said, okay, these are the verses. These are the things. And Brandon, it was the same way. Okay, Brandon, this is the basketball. Like This is how you react. But this is also why you're more important than a basketball. And so mm -hmm. I think with, with the mindset of, okay, I'm in an all-white church, it really didn't bother me. At the time, the community was running and growing rampant. And so I was like, hey, come to church. They're like, we're not going to that church. Like, it's a lot of white people over there. I was like, yeah. <laughs> But they feed you, you know what I mean? They're giving pizza and stuff away. Donuts in the morning. I was like, oh, okay, we're coming. So food was food is the was the motivation. So any church that wants to grow or do outreach, like don't stop the food because Paul Paul Keep. don't stop the food. Keep. Don't don't stop any of that. And and please don't forget to bring something to drink. Uh not that we're using you for your resources, but Paul talks about meeting the needs of the people mm -hmm. as well wow. as ministering to the soul. And so if someone's really in need of clothes or food or water, you can't just pray for them. Pray will heal the soul, yes, but they also need wow. food, water, and something to eat and something to wear. You know what I mean? So don't neglect one for the sake of the other. How about both? And so I was bringing my friends to the white church, uh, and they loved it because we were playing basketball at one point. Police officers were coming up there and playing basketball with us. It was a great communal environment. Um, mm -hmm. And so I really didn't, I didn't, not to say that I didn't see color, but it wasn't attention. It was always a point that it was, okay, we're here for a reason. We're glorifying God with our bodies and we're learning more about him through his word, through Awanas, through the skits, through vacation Bible school. Okay, so now let's do this together. And so growing up, Right across the street from the white church, it was a great opportunity for me to see both of them mesh. And then as well, growing up in a predominantly white school, all the 
minorities that came through the school, they were either great at sports or they were really, really smart. And so it was good to see the mixture of that and being with the Jakes, the Drews, uh, the the Wesses and those things, and also having my Devontes, the Collins, the different things. So we saw growing up a great, great mix of it. And uh, I think that was really important for me at the time. Mm -hmm. And especially now, because when I look back, now I've been through so much of going to undergrad and University of North Alabama and seeing all the things that are on the news and hearing the, the, the heartache from other people that I know and that I've experienced. Uh, it's something that I wish I could go back to and hold those memories more, for sure. Let, let's talk high school. Yeah. Who, who are the men investing in your life? Who is pouring into you? And it, could you share a story about anybody in that season? Because I, I imagine because of your brother's influence, you're getting into football. Yeah. And like you have dreams. Like were there any other men kind of speaking into that? Yeah. So when Brandon left, I remember the exact same day he went to college. Uh, it was traumatic for me uh, because I'm like, okay, someone that I've always grown up with is is leaving me. And so I think when he left, uh, all of that really made me sink in to myself. I didn't really want to connect with any other men. I still caught up with Andy every week to do anger management and talk gospel and everything else. But as far as um, males directly impacting me, I would say I closed off a lot just from hurt, just from uh, seeing different men. This is when my dad would pick me up, but I didn't want to go or I would go see him and he wasn't there. So it was during a time of a lot of heartache. So it made me reflect, okay, the only person that was always there who took me along when he didn't want to take me along and allowed me to watch his workouts and then forced me to do his workouts with him was my older brother. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I got in high school, a lot of that fate, which is probably why it was one of the darkest times in my high school. During that time, uh, I was battling, I feel like, depression. Uh, I started writing more. Okay, so I kind of went back into the freeze mentality, but now I just went into the flight mentality. So instead of saying something, I would go, okay, let me write about it in my journal. You know, diaries may be for women, but journal, you know, it kind of sounds more. <laughs> journal sounds more good. Correct. That's masculine. Yeah, yeah. So started writing in we my journal. We all know it's a diary. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Dre. Call it what you want. Hey, but. I was but, in my notebook. Yeah, yeah, it was a notebook. Yeah, spiral notebook. Um, And so during that time, that was one of the darkest times, I guess, behind closed doors. Uh, throughout high school, you know, I had a great career in football. Uh, I felt like I was popular. I knew a lot of people, but on the inside, it wasn't the way that I thought it should be. So it was a lot of writing. It was a lot of, okay, God, why did you make me like this? You know, I'm seeing things. I'm hearing different things. Okay, God, why are we still struggling? Does that mean that we're doing something wrong? Well, if we're doing something wrong, you know, I kind of don't want to live anymore. So it was a lot of suicidal wow. thoughts. It was a lot of different things that I felt like I struggled with in high school. Because, you know, now I have the age to work. And so it wasn't just, you know, okay, it's about me, but it's also about my mom, you know. So I'm going to work, you know, I got the driver's permit at 14, going to work, can't stay past a certain time, then giving the money to her, you know. So at that same time, I was providing for my family, uh, for my mom a little bit, but also I have the pressure of my dad. Uh, my dad, he's not really there, but he's there, but he's also 
asking me for things, whether it's financial support or things like that. I'm like, look, like if I had it, I would give it, you know, but I but I really don't, you know, and I'm just trying to make it. So I felt like at the time it was a lot of pressure. Um, and the relationship that I was in at the time, she also was going through a lot. So I felt like we grew up too quick. Um, we were already worried about uh, bills. We were already worried mm-hmm. about uh, what were we were going to do. We were already worried about so many different things that we didn't actually get to have that sacred, fun, oh, I'm in high school, live it up experience. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we we did do that as far as on the football team-wise and as far as the brotherhood that I established, but it was always an escape thing. It was always something, okay, stuff's too bad at home. This is what we're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. And so as far as male influences, I would say at that time it was very, very slim. Of course, you know, I had my coaches, Coach Thomas. He was great to me. He always uh, – loved on me and he was he was more of that stern father so I feel like fathers they they wear many different hats you know you have some fathers who are very very tender some fathers don't think that their kids can do anything wrong I think it's called helicopter uh, parents Mm -hmm. but then you have some who are like drill sergeant this this Mm -hmm. this I feel like coach Thomas was that because I needed discipline you know mom could only Mm -hmm. do so much she stopped whooping us Maybe she stopped with me. Maybe when I was in fourth or fifth grade, like I said, because I was just too big. You know, what I mean, I we used to just laugh when she tried to hit us and everything. And so I think when Coach Thomas learned that he could speak to me in a way that evoked emotion out of me, whether that was anger, whether that was sadness, and those things that made me want to gravitate toward him as mm-hmm. well. But to answer the question, it was very, very scarce, very, very dark. Um, Mom, I don't think she really knew how to communicate the language that I was wanting to hear or to say, uh, just because I think there's a different perspective when you're talking man to man and woman, uh, woman to man. And so I think she couldn't understand it. However, I was still in accountability with uh, Pastor Andy Neal. I was still going to go see Jonathan. He was a college pastor. And so I had it maybe on the outside, but on the inside, I felt like I was going through an identity. Uh, football played into that. Um, I saw myself just as a football player. Anybody ever referenced me was like, oh, that's Brandon Shelley's little brother. You know, oh, that's that. You know, mm-hmm. I saw I really didn't even know kind of like under his who shadow. I was. Yeah, under his shadow because he was he was a great. So all I've ever wanted to do was be on that level. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I was just really, really mission-minded. I knew my mom finished her associate's degree at University of Arkansas, so I wanted to do well in school. Um, but then also, I remember a distinct conversation I had with my biological father. We're, we're sitting there. He, he finally came over, maybe, when I was in high school, when he was living across the street. And I told him about football. He was like, oh, you, you'll never be good enough to make it uh, to college ball. And I was like, what did you say? He was like, yeah, I don't think you're, you, you won't be good enough to play college ball. And I remember him sitting there. I remember looking. I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong, you know. And so my whole mentality through high school was, wasn't was for me, but it was proving so many people wrong. All right, mm-hmm. Mom, you didn't do this, so I'm going to get that 4.1 and graduate honors, you know. And, Dad, you said this, like, I'm going to stand out. I'm going to be the leader in those things. So male influence, for one, uh, I didn't I didn't open myself up enough to receive anything, but also I was in that hurt spot position where I didn't want to receive anything to begin with. So, I'm hearing you say that 
pastor Andy was like very consistent. What are some of the things that he did to keep that consistency and that um, just dedication to really working on y'all's relationship? Yeah, I think what what made it important to me growing up as a kid who has honestly just been lied to a lot, has had a backpack packed and nobody shows up. I think what spoke most to me would be the consistency in the schedule. Um, for me, knowing, okay, he said he's going to be here at this time. I know for a fact he's going to be here at this time. Like, or he used to pick me up from school. Uh, so he used to be, okay, I'm picking you up. We're after football practice. You say 545, right? Okay, so every time I knew, and the teammates would be like, oh, that's Trey's therapist. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> Trey's going over there. So, but, but they knew, like clockwork, that he was going to come. And so I think a schedule, to make time in your schedule, and of course things happen. Um, you have traffic stuff, you have unfortunate events, but I think for me, it was that time, okay, this is for Trey. Like, that's not for Brandon, it's not for just mm -hmm. so you can, I can get this out of you, then leave. This is for that. And I think, you know, Christ does the same thing. You know, he says, I did this for you. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't for all these million other different reasons. It wasn't even just so you could serve me. You know, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before the foundations of the yeah. earth, I knew you. And so for me, knowing that I'm the purpose and I'm the reason why this is this, it made me feel really, really special. You mentioned your teammates would say something like, oh, there's Trace Therapist. Yeah. Like, which sounds funny, mm -hmm. but can you talk about that dynamic of... On the outside, people are making fun or mm -hmm. poking fun at you about this man who's mentoring you. Can you share more about those dynamics? There's a there's a kind of a stigma um, within the black community of when they're when when we're asking for help or there's someone of another color wanting to help uh, the the person of color, whatever minority that they are, um, they're gonna have to battle that because people are going to talk regardless you know people are going to say whether you're doing right or wrong someone's not going to like or actually someone's going to be jealous you know because the same friends that were saying like oh there's this therapist are the same friends when i would go there wednesday night during awana's even if it was for the pizza they're all over andy you know they're because they're, mm -hmm. andy's coming up to the school andy's providing uh his his presence at lunch he's going to the games like they know andy and so i think um, I think Andy did it with a pure heart. He didn't take pity like, oh, this little black kid and his older brother need someone. Oh, let me go save him. I don't think Andy had that intention at all. I think he was like, okay, these are people who are made in the image of God and let me be Christ. You know, mm -hmm. let me show exactly who he is while we're in this session, while I'm driving him to wherever, while, you know, he's sitting at the dinner table. So that was cool. Wow. He mm -hmm. opened himself up. What practical encouragement do you have for our mentors based off of your own experience? It's the small things. It's the teaching how to shake a hand or looking at them. When you deal with so many traumatized kids, because I mean, growing without a father is trauma. And so for me, it made a lot difference, a lot of difference in my life by writing out um, encouragement to them. Uh, for kids mm -hmm. who come from trauma, it's easy to think about so many different things, forget what somebody is saying, remember mm -hmm. three times three is this, and then also feeling angry when I hear 
someone even having the same name as my dad, you know? And so for me, mm-hmm. having those letters um, from different people or telling me, you know, that they're praying for me or that they love me really, really helps. So I know it's old school. I know we're in the technology age, but it's important to have a letter because it's something wow. handwritten. It's something mm-hmm. that you can give. So when a kid is having a bad day, they go up to the office, you know, oh, so-and-so, left this for you at the office he couldn't stay but he left this for you you know you open it and it says you know i'm really proud of you today you know or i love you today you know and that's never going to change or i'll see you later tonight that gives so much hope and i think that's something practical that everybody should do if you have hands if not you can say it on a (laughs) uh, audio or anything but yeah do do whatever you can um, you can make mentor sure without not, hands, you can, but if you have hands, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, easier. Yeah, if you don't have hands, we can find ways. You can you can still mentor. There's, yeah. there's no pass on males or females for mentoring. It's good. Uh, Thank that. you so much, Trey, I appreciate for sharing y'all. your story, for investing into the lives of mentors. And so, man, I'd I'd love if you just prayed for our mentors. Yeah. Right now, as we finish our time. Yeah, I will. Um, Heavenly Father, God, uh, if you don't do anything else, you've already done enough by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And we are eternally grateful for that. Uh, And so with that, with everything you've done, uh, not that we want to earn back or win back that, but we do want to please you and serve you. And through that, I pray over these mentors. I pray that they continue to go boldly. I pray that any type of blinders and any type of uh, negativity that they're, they're experiencing because of mentoring, that that you remind them that they are where you have placed them, that nothing is by accident, that whatever kid that they have or whatever young man that they have, it's for a reason. And so Mm -hmm. I pray over their families. I pray that you strengthen them up. I pray that that you continue to to build a hedge around them so that they can give you honor and glory. Continue to provide the opportunity to be just like your son. Uh, We are made in your image, so let us walk in dominion and power. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that's today's episode of the You Can Mentor podcast. Pretty awesome, Caroline, wouldn't you say? I would say, Stephen. Well, if you enjoyed today's interview with Trey, please share it with somebody you know. Maybe someone you think would be interested in mentoring some kid in their community. Uh, If you'd like more information, check out our show notes. We're going to link to those shacks that Trey mentioned. um, (laughs) So you can get you a pair of those. I don't know how much those are nowadays, but but yeah, if there's anything you picked up from today's episode, let it be this, you can mentor.